Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. In this episode, you're going to hear, once again, Leslie Tracy, who is a behavioral change consultant of many years' experience, and Tom Casey, who is, uh, among other things, a keen observer of change itself as it affects organizations and particularly their senior leaders, who are mainly Tom's clients. And me. The three of us are coming back together, together, to share insights, questions, and maybe eke out an answer to uh, to what's going on out there. In particular, what's going to retain and develop the next wave of our workforce in this country, and who is responsible for that? Managers, primarily. And are they up to the task? Why would they not be? Because almost everything has changed in the last two or three years, partly due to the pandemic. And that rate of change is picking up speed. So we're wondering aloud if we who consult, advise, write, create videos and podcasts, and lend a voice and an ear to their situation. So here are Tom Casey, Leslie Tracy, and Dave Furon. I'm trying something different, uh, which is probably the theme of our conversation today, uh, changing and changing up and trying to do things differently uh, to get different results. Uh, the difference is that I have had individual podcast conversations with consultant, uh, change consultant, Leslie Tracy, and her friend and mine, and all of our friends, Tom Casey, who is the founding partner of Discussion Partners. All three of us, by being uh, very much interested in management as a management professor, retired, and theirs being... Uh, that they see and study what's going on in their client systems and beyond. Uh, And we're all interested in two things at least. One is what's happening to the managership by virtue of what they see, the managership writ large. (laughs) And then secondly, uh, what effect does that have on attracting and retaining the younger worker, the younger, very mobile worker who's emerged on the scene through the pandemic. Well, I guess my question is now taken so long that we have no more time to record, guys. But thank you for coming anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, first thoughts from you. What 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 do you see going on out there? Well, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, you've got this young generation, grew up under different conditions than we did. And I call them young professionals. I look at Gen Z starting in the workplace and probably a sliver of millennials Mm. in the the later 20s. And then after that, they're starting to get a little more integrated into the whole corporate world and hopefully moving up. 
But these young people really want certain things that never existed, really didn't exist during our time. So I kind of call them, you've got the traditional manager, kind of con command and control, do as I say, this is how things are. And it, it's very cut and dry, mm. but the, the biggest absence is the real human interaction. Some yeah. cases there were, some cases you had, you know, friendly, easy to talk to managers, but a lot of cases it was pretty command and control. And that manager is trying to get you to do something in your words, Dave, you know, they control the workload. Yeah. So, so I, I was kind of comparing managers and leaders. And if you look at the literature, there's a lot on leaders and, and um, EQ, emotional intelligence. Yes. But I started thinking managers and emotional intelligence, that manager level that on a daily inter daily interactions, you know, you can die by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. I think that's where you get a lot of people to walk out the door. And they're really not, in many cases, prepared to deal with this young generation. And this young generation wants to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be valued. They want... Mm -hmm all that nice stuff that kind of feeds our soul makes us want to go to work. I would add that uh, from the perspective of practice, they want to grow. They And, and they grow. know in order to grow, they're going to have to change. And if they're somehow blocked or disincentivized for changing, then it's going to be hitting into something very fundamental in, in their need uh, to uh, get smarter, get gain more knowledge, gain more skills. Because I understand that tomorrow they may be given what now thousands are being given a, a notice that you're no longer, uh, your service is no longer needed. In other words, laid off. Tom, uh, what do you what do you think now? Because you are focus a lot on this group of managers just below the senior level and just above perhaps some of the direct uh, managers. And Leslie and I actually talked about them too. We used to call them the middle managers. I don't know what to call them now, but what's your observation about them? Uh, is it an emotional uh, EQ issue with them or are they just as much constrained? I think, I think everybody is, I think everybody is the beneficiary of the times in which they live. And it used to be, used to be that, uh, circumstances were kind of ignored. There was an attitude with the baby boomer bosses, and I being one, that this was this attitude of I'm the boss and you're not. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is done. We're, that we, we have to frankly move beyond that. I think that there's three ingredients that 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 reinforced Leslie's hypothesis here, which have always been there, but used to be that it was nice to have, now it is necessary to have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the, 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 frankly, the three is that people want to be treated with respect. Second is they want to be appreciated. And third is they want to be invested in. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and, you know, when you, David, you're using the term middle manager here. Yeah. And I look at this cohort of the, of the uh, blend of the generation of the, the, uh, millennials and the Generation Z that's coming back. Okay, so I'm looking at the 25 to 45 cohorts, the mix of the cohorts. Right. And I don't call it middle management. I call it militant management. Ooh. 
(laughs) Because in in reality, unless they see it, given the opportunities that are not going to go away because of things, David, you and I have talked about before as it relates to the shifting demographics and the opportunities uh, that are present, whether it's the great resignation or the great migration, and there's going to be elements of the great remorse because there always are. I believe that the demands that these folks are putting on the ecosystem of their companies will only intensify. Uh. And, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, it, we, we go back as baby boomers, all three of us, and the surveys that were being done in the 60s and 70s, would, which would kind of indicate to anybody willing to read them that a lot of us thought we would we would have been better off without parents. Okay, yeah. the, the lessons learned from the parents were only getting in the way. Then the next wave of, of, of uh, uh, behavioral modification coming through parents was the parents were the role models. Yeah. Okay. And the and the, the parental role model was don't sell yourself short. You yeah. know, <laughs> dream big and go pursue your dreams. And the expectation that the people that we're now trying to contend with is that they expect to be supported. They expect to have their interests promoted. And if they don't find it with you, they will go find it someplace else. Mm -hmm. Hmm. What's your, you reacted to that notion of militant manager, Leslie. I I think the three of us have an article emerging here from that title, but what, what, what did that? uh, I get to copyright it first. (laughs) What did that trigger in you? Well, I was trying to understand what what that meant. The militant management in today's world meant. To me, what it means is that, uh, you know, I'm going to be more demanding of my leaders to look out for my interests. So that's Ah. the middle manager or the middle middle manager, the younger manager saying it to the older leaders. Oh, okay. So this is the pressure. This is the pressure on senior leadership. So yeah, this I don't is think, managing I don't think, up. Yeah, it, or, or demanding up, which is the way I see it. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, and, and truthfully, the, you know, think about the solution here being advocating down as being, the, as being what you would aspire to do. If I'm a leader and I know that these demands are out there, I'm not going to wait to be backed into a corner. I'm going to be proactive about trying to deal with it now because I know how difficult it's going to be to find and keep good talent. So let's talk about- They're more aware. They're more acutely aware of the talent crunch by virtue of them being that much closer to the work than the senior. And And the difficulty finding good people. Yeah. And they're held accountable if they don't. Exactly. By the same people they're pissed off about. Sure. <laughs> Leslie, I'm sorry to have interrupted you. Now I was wondering what steps do you see at that top executive level in support of the militant managers? Because because I, I was just noticing there were some things they need a lot of help. And it used to be, you know, we'll give you training, it was a luxury. Well, now EQ is so important. It's it, it's something everybody's gotta have. Or I was reading some articles. How do you prepare managers? Yeah. You know, they have an example where young people are coming in and they want to know about work-life balance. And you're in an interview. You know, how do you answer that? 
Um, <laughs> you know, I have a, a favorite story about somebody who was trying to get a raise and Tom heard that story. And the manager kind of like, what, do you have a job offer? And this young person yeah. went off and looked for a job and he got one and he got yeah. That's a classic. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and and the first suspicion piece. is that you're really just trying to play me to come up with a salary number, then you could take it out to the street. Yeah, that yeah. that and that probably did happen, but it is the automatic reaction sometimes. And I go to your question then, uh, which is uh, preparation. Are uh, mm -hmm. uh, I I I spent fifty years on that issue in colleges and universities, and I can tell you by and large, and Peter Vale would definitely be nodding about this. We fed them old news, old theories, old models. Mm -hmm. uh, much of the research um, patterned after studies of big old companies that barely exist any longer. And we kept you know, recycling that stuff. And uh, faculty were really not rewarded for coming up with very much in the way of innovative new stuff because you know the journals would were pretty conservative in what you could actually put in there without scads of data so the the quality of material that the previous managers had when they were working on an mba by and large and i know my colleagues who teach out in the mba programs will say you're full of shit dave uh i will leave that <laughs> question to uh to relatives but um i i really am concerned because at the very moment that we're three are talking we have ill-prepared uh, MBAs mainly. You know, they spend a lot of time and money to get to get to that cadre of people with wire authority, and it's, we have very restive and, to Tom's point, somewhat entitled, okay, uh, feeling uh, that the young people are bringing in now, it, entitled to at least a fair shot at success, and. Uh, and then we have a much bigger picture, uh, which is customers. And and customers out there expect a much uh, uh, agile and robust and creative uh, problem solving regarding to their needs. And they're looking at companies and saying, oh, I'm going to go, with, I'd rather go to startup where everyone's sort of equal in, in status and but very humble about getting the right stuff out rather than buying from the from the uh, from the beast so that was no question there tom yeah, I, well, <laughs> Help let, me. Me kind of, let me intuit a question here uh okay I, to me the period we're living through right now is is chaotic fun all yep. right because you know the only rules are there are no rules and covid changed that and yeah. the decline of faith in institutions is affirming that. And the chaos in the geopolitical system has got everybody distracted and curious. I, you know, we're getting to the point where leaders right now are migrating towards autocrats and they come across to me as, you know, frankly, dictators in search of a balcony. Mm. And this is where I think that the commercial sector needs to step up. David, which I believe is your question, because yeah. the beneficiary of a highly motivated, um, uh, uh, as Leslie's talking about, Generation Z and Generation X, is on the enterprise initially, and on the uh, customer 
UK primarily, but it is driven by their feeling of comfort in terms of working for you, working for that leader in the first place. And I think that the, the, the larger challenge here is to getting leaders to realize that the old ways are no longer relevant. And mm. how people are being educated, how people are being developed, if they're being developed at all, requires a reset. Yeah. And I, I, look at, I look at this and we've always thought, we being discussion partners, have always thought that there's three models for an executive coach. There's the business school professor who goes to the whiteboard, does something brilliant, and says, and then asks for the check. Yeah. <laughs> then there's the therapist, now, now, they're there. Okay, but the, the, model, the model that we use is, is very analogous to the movie. And I think I've used this metaphor with you before, David, that the movie Moonstruck, where, you know, you listen, 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 and you like share, slapping them upside the head and saying, snap out of it. Snap out of it. That, is, that is the stage I think we're at now, because the, 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 the thing is, the attraction and retention uh, uh, that Les is talking about is is it a critical juncture? Look at where unemployment is. Yeah. Uh, if we don't come up with a rational um, immigration policy pretty soon, forget getting internal control of inflation. Forget the, forget uh, repopulation of a workforce. Okay, that grew up grew up and evolved the way a lot of uh, other workforces have gone since the founding of this country through immigration. Okay, we're we're just we we can't get out of our own way, and frankly, if we try to preserve and are nostalgic with the attitudes that we grew up in as professionals, Leslie, you actually talked about that in our uh, last episode, mm -hmm. the notion of uh, uh, old, somewhat be beyond the middle age, uh, holding very tight to uh, what they thought was what they were supposed to be as managerial leaders and also what essentially the, and I'm adding this one, the market and sometimes the trustees or the boards of companies uh, are not saying, hey, go out and wing it, get get out there and and uh, get close to your workers and get stuff, new stuff done. It's, it's it, they're really in, in, a, in a vice in a way, aren't they? And, and you've worked with them and you write about them. So what are your thoughts about that? To me? Les Leslie. Yeah. Okay. Well, the thing that's coming to my mind, and I spent many years as a change management practitioner, mm -hmm. we always talked about the burning platform. And the burning platform was, you know, an, uh, an analogy sort of when things get so bad, the platform's burning and how do we put the fire out? So I think this conversation we're having and what I observe, the platform's not quite burning yet. Uh, and everyone's still sitting back and change. This is why change is so hard too. Um, still, I, I think we're not there yet. So I think that's part of why we're speculating, but we really don't have any big evidence or we don't see any big changes. So there's this demand that's continuing down below with the, new ranks coming in. And I think, Tom, you know, we talked about, like, we don't have enough immigration. We, we don't have enough people. This is going to get more and more acute. And that may force some level of change. 
I hate the idea of being on that platform, though. And in a way, we all are. I mean, in terms of how our economy works and all our in, all of our institutions, healthcare, you name it, um, they're all managed to some degree. And the people who are doing that may not even smell the smoke, and uh, or or others do see it, and maybe their platform itself is really burning, but we're not coming up there with much to offer uh, about that. Uh, I don't think, Tom, what do you think? Well, I thinking I'm kind of the, the, the metaphor of the burning platform, I think is appropriate here, but I'm not sure that I agree with Leslie entirely that, you know, it, it isn't burning yet. Uh, I, I think that frankly, it's been ignited. And the question is, can the fire be put out? And I don't want to extend the metaphor much further than that. <laughs> but, but, you know, the clients that we're dealing with right now are worried. They're worried about four things. One is they're worried about their own ability to, to adapt to this change in terms of their leadership styles. Okay. Second is they're worried about the applicant flow in terms of where, where they're looking to get good, uh, to accelerate the pipelines to acquire talent in the first place. Mm-hmm. Third is they're very worried about the the definition of loyalty and commitment to they, they as individuals and their companies specifically, okay, in terms of everybody wants to, not everybody, most of the high potentials know their high potentials and they want to have a deal tailored to their interests and how do they make that happen. And the fourth issue is everything that's going on outside that's material to them and their customers. So I don't know how these people sleep at night. Okay, because when they're talking to us, um, you know, I'm surprised I'm not bringing Xanax to every interdiction here. But mm-hmm. at this particular point, I think that we're in a situation that is somewhat chaotic and definitely a translation from COVID where, uh, you know, you, everybody's trying to expect the unexpected and is very worried about it. Oh, Leslie. <laughs> I need Kleenex and Xanax. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're recognizing it. What actions are actions being taken? I guess I'm thinking even tactically at this point. You know, do you see special efforts being made, or are they talking? You know, are they talking in a room about the problem? Because I can see along the HR panorama, many things need to become tangible. People have to understand. What does my career ladder look like? What are you going to give me? I'll give you what I can. What are you going to give me? Um, and, and these very, it, it's like an almost revolutionized way of rebuilding your culture and your organization to, to accommodate. So I guess our actions being taken that really are starting to, to help these young people feel like they've got they've got a reason to stay in this company. I th- I think, Leslie, the I guess maybe I'm impatient or depressed about you know the question. Okay, because I think that the first issue here is they need to embrace the horror in terms of the magnitude of the problem. Okay, so okay. that's where you are. Yeah, and in terms of the programmatic solution, unfortunately, this is where I get depressed. Is when I'm looking at the HR portfolio. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I'm not inspired by many, many solutions that I see. Okay. And part of that is I believe that this is a C-suite 
mentality issue in the first place, where the leaders of any organization need to be coming to grips with the fact that the, the environment in which they grew up with and they have led successfully in has changed. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they've opened that email yet, they're mm-hmm. running out of time to appreciate the magnitude of what well, what would you say, uh, Leslie, to one of those C-suite people or a group of them? Uh, and to address your point, uh, they will say, well, what actions uh, can we take? What is our sp- spectrum of choices here? Uh, what would you tell them off the well, top of your head? <laughs> yeah, I would start with talking to people, finding out what, what, is, what does it feel like to work there? What's the culture like? collecting a lot of data, identifying the existing weaknesses, and there's always gonna be some, and there are gonna be some strengths. So you gotta get, get your blueprint. And then looking at all these needs, and as I said, you know, Dave, you and I talked about it. How can you make work a place that people really wanna to go to, they wanna learn, they want new experiences. They do want it to be interesting for them. Okay, yes. that's a whole HR piece, as I said, the career ladder. I talked to one company, takes about five years to become a full-fledged buyer, actually. And what do they do? They start with leadership training day one. They're going to make leaders. Well, that's that's not a big complicated thing. They don't have big consultants on the outside creating massive leadership training, but you know, you can start with brown bag lunches. I mean, something that says here, we're going to give you, we're going to give you. What are the give me's? And none of it detracts, you know, as long as someone's doing their job and, you know, really interested in reaching out, there are so many things you can do on a small level or managers, you know, I'm doing this thing, EQ, what happens with a manager versus a leader? Well, emotional intelligence always seems to be geared toward leadership. Okay, well, the leader motivates, inspires. What does the manager do? The manager's in your face every day, daily tasks. So yeah. if you don't have an EQ-minded manager, that's the that's why people walk out the door. They they don't get what they need. The manager doesn't respond. So there's so many smaller things that can make a massive difference, I believe. And this is yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Leslie. Yeah. No, no, just the, and and to me it's 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 the C C suite pushing down, but all that kind of work can be done with the right people and maybe consultants since Tom and I like them, you know, at a, <laughs> at a, at a lower level. But I think that, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this outside the realm of leader manager and just take it into the societal right now. We, okay. the beginning of this week, we saw three children, nine years old or less killed. Yeah. Okay. And the speaker of the house the third most important role in the United States government, not commenting on this until he got all the facts. The facts are there are three children who are no longer living. (laughs) Those are the damn facts. And when I move this back into the commercial issue here is you need to get the facts, okay? But you can't ignore the facts that you're given. Yeah, that's where I see the problem. I want better facts. I want facts that more agree oh, with I, what I, I want to support my <laughs> hypothesis. You know, I mean, let me know what Walter gets there. But I think that it has to be sincere, which is what Leslie's saying is, you know, approach this with an open mind. 
approach this with maybe you have been wrong all along in terms of how you were dealing with it. Maybe you're not as emotionally intelligent, don't have the EQ that you're probably yeah. not stupid, but you don't have the EQ that you think you have. Yeah. Okay. And it, at this particular point, we're, we, we need to, and, and David, you and I have talked about this before, is I'm getting to the point with, with the clients that I'm dealing with or in the, in the problems they're attempting to solve is the best plan to have is not to have a plan. It's just to try shit and hope <laughs> it works. And if it, that doesn't work, try something else. I'm looking, I, I, you know, we've talked about, you know, political leaders. And this is, this is what Roosevelt did with his first cabinet meeting. You know, he's, they wheel him in and he says, now what? Okay, yeah. He didn't have any solutions. I think we need to get facts, but we need to, to, to realize that the facts, and it, we need to ask the questions. There's no doubt about that. But we can't ignore the answers we hear because it doesn't, it isn't convenient with what we think is the right thing to do. We need to be transformational. We need to be innovative. And we need to be open to challenging our own assumptions. Honestly, you, you've studied and taught and written about change behavior. And that's the key word. Change mm -hmm. is one thing. That's a lovely word. Around. Behaving it. That's an individual action. Collectively done, it becomes more organization change. But still, I, I'm asked now. I'm somewhere up in the management cadre and I'm 46 years old and I, I want to at least keep my job and, until I'm vested. And along comes a Tom says, try shit. Let's just not lose a while. Trust your people. Let, let things happen. And that's going to be a, a risk for that behavior. And so first I want to hear what your thought is, Leslie, because this person's looking to you saying, should I? So I'm so old fashioned. I mean, <laughs> all the work I did, I would have a vision. What would be the vision? 98% retention, you know, of all these different age groups. There's your vision. And then you break it down. Okay, so how do, and that's why data does help. It doesn't have to be 100%. But now what are we going to do to get to that vision? You know, what's working now, what's not working now? I got to tell you something funny. I went into a, major consulting firm two years later to find out why the the so many people had left and their retention was so low and i couldn't believe it but most practically everybody talked to us and we learned things anyway so it's another story there but but okay so what what is going wrong you know you, you've got your picture and then you could do your plan and the things i'm talking about like, like I was just thinking, if you're in, you know, I'm a marketing person, you know, how do I learn more? How do I expand my experience? Because it's going to get a little tiring after I master some of the basics before right. I can get promoted. Well, why don't we learn data analytics? Why don't you spend some time in the IT department to understand, you know, what's driving your marketing? I mean, that's a small example, but it takes creativity and, it, and, and you've got HR and if they're on, you know, they're in the game, these aren't things, they're going to be inconveniences to a, ma a manager maybe, but they're yeah. not going to, they're not going to throw the whole thing off track because you, you can't do that, but you can give more, there's more to give. And the other thing I think that's all about behavior change, people are lazy. 
they don't <laughs> want to take the extra step. You I know, like I was it. using some examples of uh, EQ and examples where somebody has a need. You know, I might have a personal need. I might want to do some more in another department. Sometimes managers are too lazy to even bother to help you with that extra need. Yeah. Um, and, and lazy is not the best word. Maybe they're too busy. But oh, I don't you know, know about that. Yeah, but these are, it's it's really a different mindset. So if you have a vision, you, you have your end goal, and, and everybody's participating, all those managers are in that room, and how are we going to figure this out? What is, and someone, you know, a consultant can come and say, here are some things we can do. They'll come up with things they can do. So they own it. That That's kind of where my little Petri but just I, I'm not sure that's old-fashioned, Leslie. I, yeah. I think that may be... Uh, a, a out of fashion, maybe, but yeah, not all. Yeah, yeah, out of fashion, but, but <laughs> it's doable. I've seen it happen, and and you need a good leader. A lot about it's the leader. How how supportive are they, and how and that that point there's you know maybe a vice president or a president that or a president or a CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. want to make sure that things change. Tom, Tom, you work particularly with a lot of senior leaders and mm -hmm. issues of. Uh, succession and other matters about their own uh yeah personal as well as professional needs uh and you've said in some of our conversations that there's a lot of upset and and fear and some are just saying uh where's the towel i want to throw it in mm -hmm. so that that could be a little bit of a challenge to what leslie was talking about because it does count on the on the courage and stability of senior leaders to allow more room for people to move around and, 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 and try stuff. But there's their, uh, there's their need too for security. <laughs> well, I think that there's a need, you know, I mean, we're, we're, you know, you're looking at what drives C-suite. Okay. It's yeah. recognition and relevance. Okay. And the recognition can be something that they do and they they uh, they acquire on their own, okay. And the relevance continue to to explore uh, uh, their own growth while they are not putting themselves or the companies they're leading at risk. Okay? Hmm. The, the 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 thing is that what what Leslie is describing, and when she and I worked for the same big consultancy, okay, everything was about methodology. Everything was about research. Everything was about getting ahead of the curve and predicting what the outcomes could be, okay? And I think that that is still the way we advisors need to think. But I believe that we're also in a situation right now where we have to advocate that people need to reevaluate how they lead, how they manage, mm -hmm. and be willing to change the rules of the game. If not, people will go, the people that they're looking to retain will go someplace else. Yeah. And given the ability of social media right now to say, you know, good or bad, you know, and broadcast it to the universe, it does hurt the applicant flow. You mm. know, I mean, one of the things I'm still struggling with, you know, pulling mil putting militant manager or, you know, just do shit on a PowerPoint presentation when I'm out there giving speeches but that is how I feel. Mm. Okay, I'm running out of patience with people who just think that the status quo is the best option. It isn't. 
Well, this bring, brings me to another side of the multi-sided coin, which is advisors, we advisors, we consultants, we authors, we who are looked to somewhat uh, to step in or bring our ideas at least to the table. Are we adapting? Are we changing? Are we mm. looking at new ways to um, intercede, uh, particularly now with such demand for virtual? Uh, I, I I don't know. I I'm I, in conversation with lots of groups through Zoom who are organization developers, changers. You know, you you name the label. I still don't get a feeling that there's a lot of uh, concern among those folks that they have the right, not the right answers, but at least uh, the right presence that they can bring to bring to this situation. Uh, is, is And what do you guys see? You, you work with folks in the field. Uh, I just, <laughs> I just uh, talk about them. I, th I think advisors are more slow, slower moving than leaders or human capital functions, truthfully. Yeah. Because I think that their business models of, uh, you know, and I, I don't mean to be critical of the sector that I've been working in for over four decades, but mm -hmm. at this particular point, uh, I think that the, the word, the, I am a, the words, I am a, a hammer, therefore every problem is a nail. Mm-hmm is really applicable here. And that's one of the things that you're probably hearing the emotion in my voice and the sense of urgency and what I'm communicating here is it's just not working. And we're out there and we see a lot, read a lot, we write a lot, we speak a lot. The one thing that I can say with an assertion here is what we're seeing is patience is running thin, all right, with the consulting sector. That ah. the solutions that are being offered aren't working. And that's, that's my own point of view is because the advisors who are offering these situations are not straying too far away from what has worked in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that too, Leslie? I, 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 I definitely think that was a great question. And Tom, that was a great answer. I agree. It, we're sort of in this box. It's really hard. You know, every once in a while, a brilliant mind will break out. But but yeah, we're we're in this paradigm of pretty much how things have been done, the same mindset, the hammer and the nail kind of thing. I think you're right. So so you can say across the board, the only the only group that's pushing for change and changed are those young people coming in. And we everybody else has to find a way to adapt to some of these demands and, and a different mindset. Um, I think of the, uh, speaking of your former life in uh, one of the big, uh, what do we used to call them, big eight, then big six, and then big three. They're, they're always about the bigs. And the bigs went, or use a name, let's say, all right, uh, we're going to straighten this out. We're going to bring in McKinsey, because mm -hmm. that was sort of like the big dog, you know. And they'll come in, all kinds of decks they can uh, work on, and then they'll presentations and I'm, I, I shouldn't pick on them, I guess, but this is something I kept hearing and it happened to my own university. The key is the business model. You mentioned it, Tom, and a lot of independent and, and associated consultants in the field that 
necessary to talk to the senior leaders and have them here have to be employed to do that. They have to have a contract. You have to. And so in a way, you got to be kind of cautious as you want a renewal. Uh, so let's, let's, let's step on those eggshells for a second. Well, there was a research we did um, 10 years ago, and we try to update it. And periodically, we publish the results on it. And it, it's basically beware of executive coaches. <laughs> yeah. And what happens is, you know, Aristotle in his in his uh, writings on politics said the first obligation of a, of an official who's finding themselves in government government is to stay there. Okay, and we're seeing that on the political spectrum right now, where oh, yeah. people are will just unwilling to take stands on things that are obviously needing to be fixed. But when you're looking at executive coaches, what, what, what you're finding in, in many situations, based on the research that we were doing, is that the priority of the coach or consultant or advisor, whatever label you want to use, is once they're in, is to stay. And what happens is they're not provocative while they're there. And or they're unwilling to say, I'm not the best person to resolve this problem. Yeah. And we see this and, you know, I don't want to be holier than thou. I've given death by PowerPoint throughout my career too. And in some cases I'm still doing it. All right. <laughs> but, the, but the reality is that when I could get away with that in years past, I don't think I could get away with it now because hmm. people are looking for what do you think is the right thing to do? And how do you believe your own secret sauce? Whatever you're offering up as solutions, give me the reasons why that I'm going to take the risk in doing it. Nobody's here looking for, oh, don't worry about it. You're perfect now. No. What do you think, Leslie? Well, I was thinking of um, consultants with organizations and the symbiotic relationship. Let me fill in the blanks until Leslie gets back. I think that the the issue here is, you know, both she and I are, are during our careers, we were with big, you know, I think we started out, they were big six and then they reduced to big four and then we've gone mm -hmm. out to work for boutiques or be independents. But mm -hmm. so you see the evolution of the consulting sector and there is a role for the big company consultants. Sure. But when you get into leadership um, advisory, it's usually more one-on-one. -on -one. It's as close to a clinical interaction as you're going to have. All right. And the, 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 the man or women that you are advising, they right now want you to be ahead of them in terms of drawing conclusions as to how problems could be solved. Wow, that's a big, that's a big ask. Frankly, I think that that's what they're entitled to ask now. That's that's the sense of urgency that that I'm feeling right now is you know, and I I joke about it, David, and I've joked about it on your previous podcast is, you know, the the, the myself and my colleagues, the reason one of the reasons we do our own research is we're trying to stay two chapters ahead, yeah, of where the client needs to go, yeah. Okay, versus what do you think? 
See, that, from the standpoint of preparation and, and continual relevance, uh, that puts um, a lot of onus on each of us and collectively a, a firm to uh, be ahead a step or two. Uh, uh, has this been your challenge, uh, Leslie, as you've been in, in and out of different uh, relationships with, uh, with leaders? Um, yes. Sometimes I... I found it was easy to be a bit ahead because they were time, so far behind. <laughs> yeah. They were taking the time to research and really see what's out there. I mean, people in everyday jobs aren't typically taking a lot of time finding, no. finding out the new ideas. But the other thought I had, and I'm really sorry about my dog. Um, I do think there's a symbiotic relationship between consultants and organizations. And in the case of CEOs, trying new things if you get a consultant in there then you've got then you've got somebody you can blame and i think that you do and you can try new things and if it didn't work you know yeah, that damn you know, they, consultant yeah. yeah yeah they failed so so there is one of those guys people can go out there and try new things um and bring the consultants in as far as being ahead of the curve i think that's kind of the a large problem period about how much can a consultant bring in to solve the problems yeah and there's, there's also and this is this is um just a manifestation of trying to stay ahead mm -hmm. there is a vacuum out there where leaders managers and and people whose specialties is in the human capital they're trying to to get up to speed in terms of not only the environments in which they're working, in which their competitors or others work. And David, I'll, I'll use your podcast. I think the last one I did was 198. Okay? Yep. And, you know, given the, the distribution that I happen to know that there were thousands of people that did hits on that podcast. Okay. Because we see the numbers. Yeah. All right. And you know, I've I've been having this conversation within the community of discussion partners and saying, I don't understand any of this. First is what is a hit? And second is how <laughs> did you get hit? All right, you know, I mean the social media people are telling me about it. Lizzie, who you've interviewed too, um, you know, yeah. tells me about it. And I'm I'm clueless about it. But that doesn't mean I should slow down long enough to understand that, because I never yeah. will. I need to think and 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 this is where I think advisors are obligated based on, you know, what others would perceive as to be the outrageous amounts of money we charge, is to have tried to thought what solutions could be before we're asked the question, what do you think we should do? Yeah. Well, I I'm mindful of, of the clock, uh, but I I am delighted uh, the notion that there are hints and, and perhaps what they mean when any of us go out onto social media is because we're, we're not going out there with recipes for losing weight or other stuff. We're actually talking about human behavior. That's what we're talking about. People in the state of practice get more things done for themselves and others than people who are not in the state of practice. That's our theme. And, and, and we also focus in those podcast largely on individuals mm -hmm. and how they manifest themselves in the world and mm -hmm. i think that there's a bit of a hunger 
to hear the personal stories of people who are succeeding against sometimes against all arts, all odds, uh, to give us some uh, a, bit, a bit of inspiration, which is the case as I present you two, because here we are, you and Leslie, way, way beyond uh, the early days of our career from the standpoint of when we could have just said, okay, our work here is done. Uh, I'm, I'm off to uh, Jamaica. Uh, and we, yet we're not. And, and I'm going to be 80 in less than two weeks. <laughs> so I'm certainly not giving it up. Why? Because we still care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think in addition to caring or taking it seriously, I think that there's an issue here of we also want to stay relevant. Yeah, okay. sure. So there is a, it's not it's it's a uh, it, there's an emotional response, but also there's a somewhat. I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here. No. If, if I you're going to care, then you have to. Yeah. Find out what keeps you relevant. If you don't care, then you don't work for relevance. I mean, it's work that we three are doing here. You know, we're we're working over old ideas and looking at new ideas and showing real concern for the total leadership system of of the country. And uh, we care. But Leslie, I, I want to give you a thought on that first because uh, I'm I'm now at the point of pontificating. <laughs> no, I I was thinking. Um... I think we have amazing insight. We've been out there for all these years and we know very, very well the traditional world and we're bringing in knowledge of what the new world needs to be. And I think that's an incredibly unique place. And and I don't know about you guys, but I know as I look back on my life and career, Here's a perspective that I never even ma- imagined um, of what that's like to have accumulated all that experience and being able to see things in a certain way. I mean, I'm thinking, Tom, you, you know, you're talking to all these CEOs and look what you're bringing to the table. You've been to how many and how many organizations, how many situations have you dealt with? I mean, just that alone versus somebody who might have had three positions. They, they don't have they don't have that kind of knowledge either so That's I think we I think we bring a lot to the table and and Dave you said it why aren't they listening <laughs> that was the theme for Leslie's Leslie's yeah. podcast we, yeah, we both lament, we lamented a little bit for the very reason that you just gave Tom yeah. you have uh, the last thought on this one yeah I think first off I've enjoyed the, the give and take here and I've, yeah. uh, I've already copywritten manager my lawyer just responded but the, the <laughs> are they screening the, it right now <laughs> well, you know I, when leslie was talking i tapped out enough but the, <laughs> but the the thing that i the thing that, that that is so powerful about this concept of practice okay is you're never done yes mm-hmm. all right and that that i think is where the theme of this is and we can the three of us you know i mean frankly i mean as people see us you know we're looking at i mean leslie's only 48 but David, you and I are a little much longer in the tooth here. But the, the my thing teeth that, are almost to the floor. The the thing that I keep coming back to here is that we still have the energy and commitment. I think this is where you were talking about in terms of caring. And I think that my best days may still be in front, but oh, I know that I'm not going to slow down until I find out. That's wonderful. 
Let, let's have a three-way amen on that one. And I want to thank you <laughs> both for a, a tremendous conversation. And uh, we'll, we better do it again because I think we got to get more hits. I need more hits. Give me hits. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Great to see you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast h. And if you'd like to learn more about social action and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, oh, how could I have forgotten? Our digital book on practice as a way of being is now available. You'll find it online at www.mylibrary.world. I worked on that book after Peter passed away, and I think you will find it a unique and very, very mobile reading experience since it's wherever your screen is in hand or at hand.